Hello everybody. Welcome back once again to the Baked and Wake Podcast. As always, I'm your host Steve. And I'm smiling as I'm recording this morning at the time of sitting down to cut this podcast for you. It's the 18th of August, 2020. And it's a special episode of the podcast because it is on this date back in 2017 that we published the very first episode of the Baked and Awake podcast. So this is our three-year anniversary episode. I keep saying we our because it's a team effort you the listener keep me going month in and month out Um, my family supports me by giving me the time to do this podcast month in and month out to talk about it all the time in between I want to thank everybody who's been on this journey with me all this time so far. And there are a few of you, I think, who have been listening almost since day one. And thank you for your likes, for your comments on YouTube, for sharing the podcast with your friends and family, all these different ways that you support the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, I also want to thank everybody who's taken the time to review the show. Believe it or not, those Apple podcast reviews do seem to help folks. I certainly use them myself a little bit in terms of discovery. I like to see what people have to say about a show before I dive in and commit. So thank you so much for your reviews. If you're listening to this now and you haven't reviewed the podcast before, you happen to have an iPhone or an Apple device, all you have to do is roll into that podcast app and pull up Baked and Awake, and as you scroll down, you quickly get the option to leave a review. You can leave stars or actually write a review. I wanted to bring newer listeners into the fold, if I can here into the circle of trust as it were by giving those of you who are newer to the show just a little bit of the background on what I try to do here and what I hope we try to do reciprocally together in terms of the conversations we have in emails and in comments and DMs about the content of the podcast. As I said, I started the podcast on this date back in 2017. It was very close to my birthday, which is later this month in August. This was done as both a present to myself, namely the gift of creativity, and as a personal challenge, right? Smoke them if you got them, by the way, everybody. We're going to dab together in a minute, but I'm going to tell you this background first. I decided to challenge myself and my relationship with social media, news media in particular, as the two converged seemingly into one undifferentiated mass, right? Social media suddenly became its own sort of news outlet, not suddenly, but over the course of the last several years. It became our primary source of news. Traditional media, in response, has tried to morph itself into a post-20th century social thing. It's tried to become social media in many ways. That content was being seemingly like semi-autonomously curated to us, to me, in my mind at that moment in time when I was creating this idea. In my head, I said to myself, you know, my opinions are being fed to me. They're being just forced on me. We all feel this. This isn't, this is your old talking points, right? 
these headlines that didn't ever stop coming. They either inflamed me with emotions of like frustration and anger or often fear. Usually to the exclusion of almost anything else. You know, it, it follows you. You walk away from the screen and it goes with you. So I realized that I wanted to change that about my consumption of media. Not that I was going to turn my back on everything that was upsetting to me, but on the contrary, that I was going to become more of my own curator. I was a new podcast listener at the time, so of course I'm inspired in this time back in 2017 by whether it's the Joe Rogan podcast or something like I was a big fan of, for example, Hardcore History, Dan Carlin at that time. Uh, was it Aaron Mankey and all his cool storytime style podcasts, you know, myths and legends and things. Uh, not to compare myself favorably with any of those very talented groups and people, personalities. But I'm sure you can see or can hear especially if you've been listening for a while, that those would be certainly inspirations to me at that time. Being a new podcast listener at that time helped me to understand that this was a medium that had a different pace, a different cadence, uh, and a feel that I liked, and that my mind and spirit sort of sat better with. So... I decided, okay, I could do this also, perhaps. I come up with the concept for the show based around the title, Baked and Awake. My objective, at the very least, as I said, be more proactive, seek out information and media that I felt was truthful, that was trustworthy. To capture that information and channel it into what would become the podcast. A podcast that, in a sense, would, you know, snapshot whatever was of interest to me in that time. I want to put airs on and call it like rigorous research, but it's a form of research, right? Again, you listen to the podcast, you know their show notes every episode. Detailed show notes with links and descriptors for the links telling you what is there, why it's there. This was the service I'm trying to perform with the podcast. Not to simply shout into the void about something I saw on Facebook the other day with no citation. But to go to different sources a little further afield on the web take the time to digest them take the time to record and talk about them with you the audience and leave you with some resources that you could pick up and go further with if you care to do so baked and awake baked because we're in the Pacific Northwest. I've been a cannabis industry member here for the last few years since our legal industry began in Washington State. It's fraught with problems. It's uh, a very interesting space to be in. awake because I've been wacky like this since way back when I've been reading time life books and watching in search of and that's incredible and unsolved mysteries my whole childhood for decades now is that a degree 
in pop culture conspiracies? Of course not. But, again, if you've been listening, I don't think you've been hearing the same old stories from me for the last three years that you've heard in a lot of other places. And that's a nice thing to reflect back on and be able to say. And in preparation for this episode, I have actually reviewed every single episode, every title and description of every show that I've done up to now, which, again, as of this morning, is like 108 episodes. Not one of my episodes is a throwaway show recorded just to say that a podcast went out. I publish between two and four times a month. We average 40 to 60 minute showtime most of the time these days. The podcast is listened to a fairly modest couple thousand times a month. But that's month in and month out. While that sounds like piddling download numbers, at least for myself, when I realize that those 2,000 downloads plus per month are taking place across more than 25 countries around the world, I feel a whole lot better about it. In fact, it brings a smile to my face. Over the last three years, we've talked about subjects that have ranged very widely. But they do include, among many others, a detailed hemp history timeline that we covered early on in the podcast back in 2017. Technology is a frequent topic of discussion here, especially computing and surveillance. We've gone in on deep fakes deepfake tech early on. Mass surveillance technology. We've discussed mysteries that you've never heard of anywhere else, like Mel's Hole. Local Pacific Northwest landmarks like the Martha Washington School for Insane Girls, the campus of which I visited Mud Flood Theory and Grand Tartaria have been two of the biggest topics we've covered on this podcast, and I'm one of the first podcasters really out there who's a podcaster first who's been talking about this over the last two or three years. The Electric Universe Theory. I know I introduced some of you to that one. We talked about related to the electric universe theory, the Ganymede hypothesis. Out of left field, gigantic crater Earth theory. A wild Russian thought experiment called chronocapsules. Back here again in the Pacific Northwest. Back early on in the podcast, we talked about the Maury Island incident, one of the first UFO incidents recorded in the United States. Later, we talked about the Hanford Nuclear Power Plant, also right here in the Pacific Northwest, one of the biggest repositories for weapons-grade materials, waste materials in the world, and one of the biggest producers of the weapons-grade materials themselves in their purer form that go into the North American ballistic missile program and all sorts of ordnance and its connection to Maury Island. We've reached back in time all the way back to the general crisis of the 17th century. We've gone further back than that time of plague, famine, revolution, and seemingly never-ending winter to the emergence of modern human individuality as described in James's The Origin of Consciousness in the Breakdown of the Bicameral Mind. 
we've learned about moral relativism and moral objectivism and so many more subjects that I personally find fascinating and I earnestly hope that you my cannabis friendly audience also derive benefit from learning about and in this fashion this audio format right so we're going to keep trying to raise the bar together among other things in the past year I've invested in new equipment continued to try to train myself online with improvements to my workflows and audio processing my production side of things hopefully things are sounding better and have been sounding better for some time now this fall I'm enrolling to head back to college for the first time since the early 2000s when I was involved in a landscape horticulture program so now we're going back for something a little different namely communications and journalism and that's a direct outgrowth of the time I've spent on the podcast the encouragement I've received from all of you the emails expressing your appreciation for the podcasts the subjects the content I've already created the tidbits you've shared about affinities that you've had with experiences I've described or mysteries in your own backyards that remind you of something I've talked about on the show challenging comments on YouTube calling me out and asking me to raise my quality bar challenge accepted you guys going back to school it's not going to be easy we're not affluent I'm literally applying for financial aid uh, like a high school student going to college for the first time we'll see if we get it or not but we're going and we're going together and that's all thanks to you guys really it really is so what we're doing today now that I've babbled for 15 plus minutes about how great it is to be a podcaster I'm going to point you guys back at my favorite episodes I picked one episode or one series from each year from 2017, 2018, 2019 to point you back at if you haven't listened to these episodes these are the episodes these are the ones that I'm looking back and saying oh I'm so glad I did that maybe we should go back and do some more on that uh, this could apply to so many other episodes it was a it was an interesting process to go through Many of you might have different opinions on what were the most interesting topics that we've covered. I'd love to hear that too. And an easy way to do that, of course, is comment on YouTube. All podcast episodes do go to YouTube, even though, again, we're a podcast first and foremost. Um, there's nothing better than YouTube for commenting and getting my attention and getting me to uh, you know, reply back to you there. So uh, the channel on YouTube is, of course, baked and awake. So... So back in 2017, uh, one of the earliest episodes that I really thought was uh, a standout and that I was fortunate to be able to record in the first place was one that I did on Pacific Northwest Mega Church, Mars Hill Church. And that's an episode that was a two-parter and actually featured two wonderful guests, my friend Douglas and my friend Adam both of whom were former members of that church before it eventually disbanded in the wake of the controversy and sort of, I guess you could call it a bit of a scandal that surrounded the pastor of Mars Hill Church, uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll, you know, typical charismatic, um, modern, 
I won't say it's not really evangelical, but maybe they are evangelicals, uh, Mars Hill. Just that, you know, almost a TV pastor, a celebrity pastor vibe is what uh, Driscoll has. Uh, pastor Driscoll is not still in the Pacific Northwest, but he is still a pastor. I believe in the American Southwest now. I want to say Arizona somewhere. So still has a ministry. Uh, this episode was amazing. It was featured candid discussion of the challenges of the time and the feelings that went along with that uh, for both of my friends and for the wider community. Uh, we had the opportunity to listen to a number of Pastor Driscoll's sermons around that time uh, to sort of get familiar with the style of ministry that it was and uh, it was a, just a great episode an awesome time spent with my friends and uh, brought the three of us together uh, who shared you know mutual love of mountain bikes and the uh, cycling community here in the Pacific Northwest as well as the bike industry we all worked in and around it at one point in time uh, those guys will still do for that matter. So what I'd like to do right now actually is share with you a short sample of the discussion that was had between myself, Douglas, and Adam in part one of Reflections on Mars Hill Church. Part of your life, and, and, and in that form, kind of, that's your own form of almost... Uh, like subtle prophesizing. Um, so evangelicals, you know, your life and, evangelicals and are expected to um, live their life in a way in which they evangelize the religion to others. Uh, they embody it, mm -hmm. and they always claim it when given the opportunity to claim it. They never um, decry it or deny it. Um, and and I also think of evangelicals as often being um, fundamentalists as well by some interpretation or some yeah. so is that fair or not I mean I think, I think as far as what people to understand that term to, to mean it's a maybe a, yeah it's a decent generalization so and when I when I say part. fundamentalist Christian, I say I'm I'm trying to describe a uh, slightly stricter um, sort of uh, well, so that's not fair because this, some of these very churches that we're talking about, Mars Hill in particular, outwardly in all its superficial trappings, even at layer one, two, and three of examination by an outsider would seem super loosey-goosey, new-agey, and hipstery uh, to a lot of folks, uh, I would say. Because it's like, well, nobody's wearing ties, and everybody's got Warby Parker glasses on, and I see a lot of visible tattoos, and some of these women have piercings in places I didn't expect to see here in church, you yes. know? Uh, and, and then they got a rock band playing off in the corner instead of an organ. That was me. You know? Um, and I don't know what the, um, you know, actual churches looked like inside. Yeah. I do know that at the peak, there was also, um, I understand, uh, Pastor Driscoll had his sermon at the main church and wasn't that getting like piped out to the satellite yep. locations yep. as well on a screen? To them, so he's virtually in half a dozen or more locations, week at a time, week yeah. in and week out at its peak, mm -hmm. talking to how many people? It was over ten thousand at one point. Fuck. Um, I think they said it was like it peaked at twelve, maybe I forget, but I know it was over ten thousand members at a, at its peak. Um, yeah, I remember uh, that was after I'd kind of been away from the church for a while, but I, I succumbed to a, um, uh, you know, a holiday visit because it was just kind of, 
you know, I was with the family, and I was like, sure, I'll go to church, you know. But I was not actively going to church at the time, but I, I, I went for a Christmas sure. a Christmas one. Um, and that he was on the screen. And, yeah, I mean, I... I, it gave me a very uncomfortable feeling. It had a, it had that. So it, you came from before that era. I, dude, I was at Wedgwood, early days, and when it was just like I don't know, thirty, thirty people, forty people. It was small, it was intimate, candles, like very introspective atmosphere. Well, living um, room style, like and Bible it, study size. No, I mean, the, big Bible study. To go from <laughs> that, and when he, I don't know, he had a, he had a much. He had a very um, kind of Oops, sorry, kind of like you could tell he was doing it while he was up there. You know, it had an on-the-fly feel early on, like he was just shooting from the hip. Like this is authentically what this guy's wanting to say right now. Um, and then to go from all the way from that to see him on a screen, and he just looked different. It was just a much more polished appearance. The delivery felt kind of, I don't know, just felt rehearsed and. It was striking because it just reminds me of like political propaganda type of feeling of this. The whole crowd is watching the demagogic leader on the screen. Did it feel rehearsed or did it feel like somebody was writing the sermons, mm, you know, I don't know if I'd go that far. with him? Or? I don't know if I'd go that far. Mm. I, I'd say rehearsed. I'd say rehearsed, but I wouldn't say that like someone else had written it. I but I mean, who cares if somebody else wrote it, right? right? I mean, what no. is no, that? I mean, I think you'd want it to. I mean, there's a delivery quality. That guy is an actor for sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing that I keep questioning myself is that just the depth of the theology done, if his claims are to be believed. I mean, the guy was a voracious reader, so he says, and went after an awful lot of that. So I think, like, I kind of wonder, like, where the paradox, if you will, (laughs) where these guys uh, think they really... The discussion of Mars Hill Church, episodes 1 and 2, were originally published on December 27th and 28th of 2017, and I'll include a link to both of those episodes in the show notes for you, so if you missed them, you can go back and check them out. In 2018 biggest episode by my own entirely arbitrary standard. The same standard I applied to 2017. These episodes, by the way, were chosen just from my heart, not from download numbers or relative popularity versus the rest of the shows I've done. Um, that would be a very different list, interestingly enough. But in 2018, I was introduced to the Mud Flood Deception and Grand Tartaria. I did post a few to Instagram already, though, too, by the way. The deposits of material said to have been deposited in many areas. And again, this is all over the world. It's all over North America. It's in Europe. It's in Asia. It's in Africa. It's it's said to be three meters or more. I'm talking 12, 15 feet or more of mud, soil, sand, what have you. Right? Everything is kind of muddy when it's wet what it then is constituent, you know, what it's built of and what it uh, turns into and resembles when the event is over uh, may be very different in different areas, right? I'm not sure if this is one event or many, okay? Um, Although it does seem to have been kind of a biggie that supposedly got most, most recently. We'll see. Um, (laughs) 
many cities around the world with notable numbers of apparently mud flood affected buildings and towns also happen to share, for example, giant historic fires or other natural disasters in those cities' histories. You know, with attendant stories about entire swaths of populated areas being wiped out, you know, utterly destroyed, and subsequently in a number of cases intentionally buried as a result. With the modern city being constructed literally upon the previous city's ruins. I live in one such city, Seattle, Washington. Definitely caught up in some of these mud flood videos and mentioned. Boston, Massachusetts, I think Portland is said to have some Portland, Oregon. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Syracuse, New York. Washington, D.C. Uh, Moscow or St. Petersburg, Russia. Paris, France. Cairo in Egypt. Many more. But all of those, at least, that I just mentioned, all have well-known or lesser-known undergrounds, catacombs, abandoned subways, tunnels. Underground cities, indeed. Like whole lost worlds in the case of like the, the catacombs under Paris, right? That aren't uninhabited even to this day. People are down there right now. Beneath our feet, you know, that we kind of know about. Some small remnants of those areas, you know, here in Seattle, we have the underground that can be toured under close supervision, obviously, right? Not an extremely restricted basis. Probably, probably for good reason. It's probably hella dangerous down there when you go off the, go off the old tour. Well, I sure am enjoying going back and listening to some of this older content that uh, I was so excited to learn about when I, especially in the case of Mud Flood and Grand Tartaria and everything that goes around it, um, and put these episodes together for everybody. There's always more to look at with this topic. And I'm intentionally not including like the absolute gems, you know, the moments from these episodes in a way to encourage everybody, both people who have heard them once when they first came out and those of you who are here coming to the podcast more recently and uh, want to know where to go back and what to check out. These are my picks, right? Um, I think what I'm going to try to do is take a dab in the background while I play for you another clip, I guess we call these, right? From my favorite episode to have worked on in 2019. And this was tough because there was a lot of great stuff that we explored in 2019 together just really unusual topics and um there was just new subject after new subject but it sort of relates to grand tartaria and mud flood but is a whole nother era of turmoil and um very sort of target-rich environment for history, uh, for plagues, for famines, for revolutions, for societal change, for the emergence of technologies. And that was an era known as the general crisis of the 17th century, which would be the 1600s era. crazy time in history to have learned about and one that is apparently a big pet area of study for a lot of academics but is also 
largely like unknown by lay people these days. So, um, yeah, again, smoke them if you got them. I hope you're having fun. We're going to find a few minutes of my episode on the general crisis to enjoy together here. Something historians have called the general crisis. In the 1640s, Ming China, the most populous state in the world, collapsed. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, the largest state in Europe, disintegrated. Much of the Spanish monarchy, the first global empire in history, seceded. And the entire Stuart monarchy rebelled. Scotland, Ireland, England, and its American colonies. In addition, just in the year 1648, a tide of urban rebellions began in Russia, the largest state in the world, and the Fronde Revolt paralyzed France, the most populous state in Europe. This blunt is great, by the way. This was a brilliant decision on my part. Meanwhile, in Istanbul, Europe's largest city, irate subjects strangled Sultan Ibrahim, and in London, King Charles I went on trial for war crimes, the first head of state to do so. In the 1650s, Sweden and Denmark came close to revolution. Scotland and Ireland disappeared as autonomous states. The Dutch Republic radically changed its form of government, and the Mughal Empire, M-U-G-H-A-L, then the richest state in the world, experienced two years of civil war following the arrest, deposition, and imprisonment of its ruler. I have never heard of the Mughal Empire before right now. Note to Steve. Look into that. The frequency of popular revolts around the world also peaked during the mid-17th century. In China, the number of major armed uprisings rose from under 10 in the 1610s to more than 70 in the 1620s and more than 80 in the 1630s, affecting 160 countries and involving well over 1 million people. I will elect not to read most of the like copious footnotes in this document in, this, in the interest of brevity. Link to the complete doc will be in your show notes. In Japan, some 40 revolts called Hoki and 200 lesser rural uprisings, Hayakusho Iki, occurred between 1590 and 1642, a total unmatched for two centuries. And the largest uprisings at Shimbara on Kyushu Island in 1637 to 1638, involved some 25,000 insurgents. In Russia, a wave of rebellions in 1648 and 1649 shook the central government to its foundations. Of the 25 major peasant revolts recorded in the 17th century, Germany and Switzerland, more than half took place between 1626 and 1650. The total number of food riots in England rose from 12 between 1600 and 1620 to 36 between 1621 and 1631, with 14 more in 1647 through 1649. Big pattern of starvation and food-based revolts. So the food was getting less plentiful and food prices were rising in a time when most people didn't even have or use currency to exchange goods or to trade for goods and services. In France, finally, popular revolts peaked both absolutely and relatively in the mid-17th century.
My episode on the general crisis of the 17th century originally came out on July 31st of 2019. And it's actually a two-part story. Uh, It was followed by a part two just a few days later. And both episodes, of course, will be in the show notes for you in the description below if you're listening to this on YouTube. Um, As I was researching the general crisis, I felt strongly like, and this was, you know, again, July of last year, so this is pre-virus, right? Any of that. But they're talking about plagues. They're talking about natural disasters. They're talking about a uh, climate uh, change type scenario at that time uh, the pendulum was swung the other direction these people were living in what was known as a little ice age or the little ice age at this time um, short summers see you know interminable winters um, you know miserable highs in terms of what constituted uh, peak season so Crops were failing year in and year out in regions of the world that had historically been already agricultural at this point in time. So it struck me so much that what felt like people were experiencing during the general crisis had parallels today. It was a great topic to research and one that I should spend uh, more time going back into because it's, as I say, very rich uh, in terms of what took place in that era of history. Mm. Go check it out for yourselves, please. Check out those old episodes. All of them are representative of fair amounts of time I spent on them, researching them, and continue to do so because I do love these topics. Um, and that goes for the the spiritual end of things that was exemplified in the Mars Hill episode, and I really didn't give you guys the best of that episode at all. Just you got to go in and roll up your sleeves and listen to both of those episodes because my guests... Uh, really opened up and shared a lot about their experience. So if you came up in a religious upbringing, um, maybe have had a dynamic or rocky relationship with the church and your spirituality uh, and continue to sort of, you know, philosophize about that personally yourself and reflect on that personally yourself uh, uh, now, uh, that episode would be for you. So... Um, yeah, and hopefully my little dab session in the background wasn't too distracting on that last clip. It was, uh, funny to listen to myself smoking the blunt that I was smoking at the time while I was dabbing in the background. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's... That's 2017, 2018, 2019. Now, even though we're in August of 2020 right now, I'm leaving out a 2020 episode. I'm going to save that for, you know, maybe reflecting next year potentially. Uh, Everything in 2020 that's out there in the catalog I consider current. You should be up on it. If you're not up on it, go back and listen to them all. There's plenty of content here in 2020 for you as well on, on Baked and Awake. So... Um, I'm gonna pretty much wrap it there. It's time to get this out. I got a little intro and outro music to add back into this baby for you and mix her down and put her out. Uh, try to set it for a 420 delivery time and have a session with me. Celebrate the three year anniversary together with me of the podcast. Help me out incredibly put a put a spring in my step for days to come by dropping a review in that apple uh podcast app that would be super 
share the podcast with somebody. Subscribe to that YouTube channel for me. That would be great. That would be super great. We recently passed 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, which was actually super big. And I uh, talked about it a lot at the time. Um, need to make some more YouTube-specific content soon, some actual video content. But for those of you who are podcast listeners uh, and haven't yet checked it out, my YouTube channel is great. I'm having fun with it. And I've created several videos of myself going out and exploring our local area in addition to uh, a little bit further flung parts of Washington State anyway, uh, as far as eastern Washington, Spokane, as far south as Olympia, uh, and some places in between in search of mud-flooded architecture and features in the landscape and in the, in the actual uh, cityscape. I think we found plenty of really compelling and interesting stuff. I would direct you to my Olympia video uh, in particular in that case. So make your way over to YouTube. Say hello in the comments. I've said it before. I'm super responsive usually over there. Follow me on Instagram. Everywhere you go look for me, it's baked and awake. Don't be fooled by imitators. There actually are several, several accounts on Instagram going by Baked and Awake, but look for the podcast, look for me, look for Steve Minsker on Instagram, and yeah, say hello. Let me know what you want to hear about here on the podcast. I've gotten numerous ideas from listeners over the last couple of years and have really enjoyed looking into each and every one of the topics that people have uh, pointed out to me, brought up with me, whether they ended up becoming an episode or not. But uh, you want to hit me up in a little bit more conventional way. Uh, the email address has always been talk to us at bakedandawake.com. All right, everybody, you guys are wonderful. I'm going to let you get back to your day going to be rolling into the weekend here in no time stay safe take care of your families we're going to talk about prepping a lot more real soon we've been prepping our brains out all summer long and uh without you know giving away all the nitty-gritty details of what we do or don't have or have or haven't done around here i'm going to start trying to share with everybody who listens and who i hope shares that mindset a lot more of some of the principles and practices, best practices and things, uh, many of which we are employing to some extent here for family emergency preparedness, right? You don't need to get militant about it and weird about it. We're talking natural disaster family preparedness. Keep it on that level. And there's still a lot of work to be done for most folks to, you know, feel like you've got a robust action plan in place for taking care of yourselves in this crazy, crazy 2020 post-virus world. So, love you guys. The crows are out honking out my window. Before I sign off with you, I want to give a quick shout-out to my friend Honest Mike, member of the International scooter and moped community for many years friend who i became acquainted with originally on the old moped army forum that is still thriving to this day i think we both still work on there from time to time but honest mike has his own podcast that he recently started he's a experienced music dj party dj recording dj uh from uh, California's rave heyday in the 90s and early 2000s and uh, he started a podcast this year he's just got a couple episodes out it's a wonderful experiment in expression and digging into his audio archives and also telling the story of his own brush with mortality in 2019 um, I won't spoil the, sh the show for you or 
Honest Mike's story. He's joined by his longtime girlfriend, Admirable Stacy, in the inaugural episodes of the show. And uh, just wanted to put everybody on to Honest Mike if you haven't heard of him, if you haven't had a chance to find out about his podcast yet, let this serve as an opportunity for you. Maybe a few of those listeners of mine who share our affinity for two wheels, be it pedal bike, moped, scooter, or open class motorcycles, uh, you'll definitely find some fun listening over there with Honest Mike and the Honest Audio Podcast. Mike, I wish you the best with the podcast, and I hope that you've got at least three years worth of episodes in your hopper coming our way. Hopefully many more. All right, everybody. You know what to do. Get out there. Get after it. Smoke copious indica. Do amazing shit anyway. I love you. Perfect.